Happy Mother's Day. And a special welcome to those joining us on the live stream. My name is Mandy Smith. I'm married to Pete and I'm the mother of three teenagers, just. Uh, I say just because the oldest is nearly 20 and they've all been taller than me for a very long time. Uh, my background is as a teacher and a qualified counsellor and I work as a welfare chaplain in a local school. None of these qualifications make me a better mum than anyone else. I certainly have my good days and my bad days and my kids can testify to that. But everything we need to have great relationships comes from God and we all have access to that same God. When I was in grade two, a new boy started at my school. He was put into my class. His name was Glenn. Uh, if any of you ever read the Enid Blyton series, The Naughtiest Girl in the School, well, Glenn was the naughtiest boy in the school, very quickly. Amongst all his naughtiness, he uh, put his attention in my direction and he would sit on the mat in class next to me and he'd pinch me. And if I shuffled, he'd shuffle when the teacher wasn't looking and he'd pinch me. Uh, he'd chase me around the yard, he'd try to convince me to play kiss chasey, he'd generally be very annoying. And he wanted attention. It didn't matter if it was good or bad attention, he just wanted attention. One night my mum found me crying and I spilled the beans about this boy that was picking on me at school. Mum went up to school uh, to talk to the teachers and find out what was going on. Uh, and then she came home and told me Glenn would be staying on weekends. <laughs> you see, Glenn had been uh, moved into a boys' home, a local boys' home near our school, and uh, he had been given up by his biological mother at birth, um, and then he was, put in a, uh, he was adopted by a family who had an older daughter, and then they had two more sons after they adopted Glenn. Uh, then the parents divorced, and they put Glenn in a boys' home but kept the other children with them. Glenn spent his childhood between children's homes and at times going back to his adoptive mother's house for short stints, then back into a home. He spent many weekends and school holidays with our family. Uh, he became an extra brother, almost a twin brother. We were very similar in age. We perfected the art of Chinese burns in the back seat of the car. Don't do that, children. It's not a good thing to do. There were times where he lived with us full time. Uh, he died tragically at the age of 40. His life had been hard, full of rejection from biological parents and adoptive parents, craving love from broken people who were not able to give it. However, he knew love in our family and later his extended biological family. Most importantly, he came to know Jesus' love. I believe through the example and love of my parents and the power of the Holy Spirit. For many of us, Mother's Day is a really happy day, but for some it is a sad day, a bitter day, a hard day. We often talk about the father heart of God for those who didn't know earthly, uh, good earthly fathers. Likewise, I believe we're provided with a mother heart of God as well. And this can be an incredibly powerful and comforting relationship. We're told in Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God made the attributes of fathers and mothers in his image. God's love is here, it's real, 
We all need it. And often God uses the relationships around us to reflect his love. God's love is for all of us and it's reflected in mothers for all of us as well. When we think of God as a mother, we often get that very nurturing image, the gathering of chicks under the wings of a hen. Now, that comes from Matthew 23, 37. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. That's a comforting image. But today I want to talk about God's fierce mother love. What I mean when I say fierce is that unrelenting, selfless, committed, I will give my life for you, strong, brave mother love. A love that knows no boundaries, can always find more and will fight for you. There are many examples of fierce, brave love in scripture. God claimed us for his own. We are part of his family. And Danny's drawn on some of these verses during communion today. In Ephesians 1, we're told, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And in John 1, 11, 12, he came so that that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you're sitting here today as a mum, a dad, single, married, with or without kids, a grandparent, an empty nester, a young person, you have the same love from God as mums do, as all of us do. I believe God provides us all with fierce mother love. But also, many show God's attributes of fierce mother love to those that are not biologically theirs, like my mum with Glenn. I'm talking today about how God loves us and how this is reflected in mothers. But this is for everyone. I know many instances personally where friends have provided more love, indeed fierce mother love to my children. You know, I really enjoyed Catherine's prayer because my eldest went up to her and, and thanked her to, for being his second mum today. Mother's Day uh, for my kids encapsulates lots of people, not just me. There have been times where others have had this headspace physical or emotional, to, to be the strength for my children when I'm spent. I'm so thankful for these women in my children's lives. They've cried with me, prayed with me and strengthened me with God's love. And families and children are blessed by God's fierce mother love through many people, not just mums. God's fierce mother love is seen throughout the Bible, but today I wanted to focus on two attributes that are part of this fierce mother love. Sacrifice and obedience. Sacrificial, fierce mother love is seen in many ways in scripture, but God shows us the ultimate sacrificial love in his son's death. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's turn to the story of Naomi and Ruth. We're told in Ruth chapter 1, that Naomi and her husband Emelik and their two sons left Judah to go to the foreign land of Moab due to a famine in their country. They settled in Moab and then Naomi's husband dies. In time, her two sons marry Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. 
but then 10 years later, Naomi's two sons die. How devastating for her, both due to the grief and the loss, but also because security has now gone as a woman in that culture who has no males to provide for her and protect her and her daughter-in-laws. I just want to read this passage in Ruth chapter 1 from verse 7. So she, Naomi, set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter for me, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. I'm always struck by the story of Ruth, but in particular by Naomi's self-sacrificing love to her daughters-in-law. She lost her husband and then her sons while in a foreign land. Grief and heartbreak must have been immense. Naomi probably felt like curling up in the fetal position and dying where she was on that ground. But she showed immense strength and trust in God to make the journey back to her homeland. However, at a crucial moment, when I'm sure she desperately wanted her daughters-in-law by her side, she tells them to go back to their people. She pleads with them repeatedly, seven times in different ways, to convince them to leave her. Why would she do this? They're the only family she had left with her. Naomi's willing to sacrifice the companionship, support and love from Ruth and Orpah to give them a chance at life again to go back to their homeland and possibly remarry and have children. Culturally, it's hard to understand the significance of this for Naomi. It could well have meant her death with no way of earning an income, no protection, no one to look after her. It definitely meant a life of abject poverty. Orpah eventually concedes. Ruth, however, stays with Naomi. Just as a side note, it's worth remembering that giving things away to God in sacrificial love does not always mean that we ultimately lose them. God blessed Naomi's sacrifice with his own love and plan for Ruth to stay with her. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Uh, when my husband read this over for me, he made the uh, other little side note that um, she begged them seven times and when Naomi was determined, she stopped urging her. I think he was maybe referencing maybe how I can be with the children sometimes. <laughs> I looked at that one. Don't take your coat outside. It's cold. Why would you need your coat, my children? If my adult children... You'll need a coat. You know I won't, Mum. Yes, you'll need a coat. This goes on a bit in our house. 
I've seen mum sacrifice in many ways, sleepless nights feeding, staying up all night with a child in hospital, putting their own needs last to everyone else's, holding back the emotions so that our children aren't upset, being strong for them when it's hard. I've seen my own mum work longer hours to provide good schooling for me. Mums praying endlessly for their children. Sometimes staying silent when we really want to say something, that is a sacrifice. Not having our opinion heard, especially when we know we're right. <laughs> Mums making budgets work as they shop for essentials and not getting the things they want. God uses mums to reflect God's love, his fierce, sacrificial love. We see that ultimately fulfilled in Jesus' death. God calls us to reflect this fierce mother love in our relationships and we can learn much from the story of Naomi and Ruth. The second attribute I want to talk about is the fierce mother love we see through obedience to God, even when it's really hard. Most of us would know the story of Hannah and Samuel from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. Hannah was married to Elkanah and she was one of two wives. Penina was able to have children and Hannah was barren. Hannah cried out to the Lord, cried out so earnestly that the priest Eli thought she was drunk as she prayed silently with her lips moving. 1 Samuel 1 tells us, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. This was a desperate and brave prayer with a fierce commitment to obedience and great sacrifice. She prayed for a child and committed to giving this child back to God in the service of the Lord. When Eli tried to banish her from the temple, she begged him in verse 16, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of great grief and anguish. The priest Eli sent her on her way with a blessing that her prayer would be answered. And it was, and in time, Hannah gave birth to Samuel. When Samuel was weaned, she gave him over to Eli the priest to be raised in the temple and into God's service. In verse 27 and 28 we read, I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I asked for. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given to the, over to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord there. I've always found this story very difficult. This is a woman who desperately wanted a child, who begged God in anguish and grief. She made a deal with God and then received the answer she wanted. Did she consider keeping the child with her? Imagine looking at that beautiful baby boy you have wanted for so long and then handing him to the priest for service for the rest of his life, seeing him only once a, once a year, really having no input into his raising and care. This is a level of fierce, brave obedience to God for her child and a, and a willingness to accept that God's plan was the best plan. How do we go when we're asked to step up in obedience to God with regard to raising our children? Every nurturing instinct would have screamed at Hannah to keep the child, yet she obeyed God. Have you had that moment 
when you know obedience to God will be countercultural, especially in relation to your children? Do you worry how it might be perceived by secular friends when you say your child can't watch something, do something, be somewhere that other parents consider okay, but you feel goes against what God would want for your child? Have you ever had to step back and be brave and let God lead with your children when you think you know best, but also know that you have to give it to God? Because obedience to God also includes letting go of our children as they grow and become adults. Now, I know for those parenting teenagers, you might think Moses' mother's approach is the best option, float them down the river in a basket. Uh, but mostly, we want to keep them close. And it's hard to know when to let things go. When to do things for them, when to let them feel life's consequences and let God use those moments to teach them. Do I have an obedient heart with God in relation to my children? Or do I say, God, I know best, I will just give you a shout when things go really wrong. How do I apply this obedience in every aspect of my life, not just with my children? Recently, a certain person who will remain nameless uh, managed to leave all their football gear in a bag at church after changing here when they came from footy training to youth group. Then they spent the week away and at some point their mother realised she hadn't seen any footy gear come through the wash. The conversation was a tense one when she explained she would not have time to go to church and find his gear and that he may need to sort out how he would get his footy gear back before the game on Saturday. Thanks Stacey and John for sorting that out for Ben. Uh, <laughs> It's a trivial... I did ask his permission to share that. It's a trivial example and one that was a good life lesson without major consequences. But sometimes the consequences are much bigger and the decision to let go and let God is much harder. And we experience this juggle in many relationships, not just with our children. How do we show fierce obedience to God in our fierce love for each other? without taking it out of God's hands. Both Naomi and Hannah handed the situation over to God obediently and sacrificially. In a world that wants to drag our children under with images, social media, self-absorption, reality TV, the promise that you will be famous, in fact, you must be for any validity in your life. Confusion, self-doubt, comparison, we must fight for them with God's fierce mother love. We must protect, push back, offer an alternative and point them towards God's pure love and grace. It's hard sometimes in my line of work not to feel overwhelmed by the onslaught our children face and wonder what hope there is for their mental health, their faith and relationships. But I spent a week camping over the recent holidays there was no internet coverage. It's the best place in the world. And I watched teams toast marshmallows, climb trees and hills, float down freezing cold rivers, play cards, build campfires. My heart rejoiced at the good, clean fun. On this trip, a group of women about my age, I say that, but lots of them were younger than me, just to clarify for the women that were there, uh, we sat around the campfire discussing the contribution that other women have made in our lives. 
One lady shared about the hugely significant contribution that both her mum and mother-in-law have made in the lives of her children and how thankful she is for their godly wisdom, protection and love. Be open to the role you may play as a fierce protector of the young, whether they are your children or someone else's. I'm so thankful for the people, you know who you are, that have been placed in my children's lives to provide God's fierce mother love. Maybe your childhood was one where this protection was not provided by a parent or other adult or mother. Maybe they were the ones actually doing the harm. This is heartbreaking and very hard to recover from. But can I encourage you to harness the fierce mother love of God? He has this for you. Embrace that strength he gives you to do it differently in your relationships. Know that God provides us with his mother heart and fierce, protective, sacrificial love daily. Back to my foster brother, Glenn. He stretched boundaries, broke things, was violent, went to jail, did drugs and drank alcohol excessively, went to rehab and the list goes on. He never really shook off what he saw as rejection, even though he knew Jesus' love. Did my parents show fierce love? Yes, they did. Without God's fierce love, they could not have stuck with him. Did they have to set boundaries and at times step away? Yes. Was there pain and heartbreak? Absolutely. Did it take sacrifice and obedience? Yes, it did. Was it worth it? I believe it was. I believe I will see Glenn in eternity. I believe that what my parents gave him was continual love and consistency when he did not experience this from any other areas in his life. And sometimes that had to be tough love too. You see, fierce love is hard and fierce forgiveness is hard too. Perhaps you have areas where you need to forgive your parents or family. Perhaps you need to forgive your children. Or perhaps you need to forgive yourself. Even as you sit here now, his selfless, fierce, unrelenting, all-embracing love is here for you. He understands your pain, fears, joy and heartache. I wish I could see God like this all the time. I wish I harnessed this fierce mother love more often in both the way I relate to others but in also in how I think God views me. If today you need to reconcile emotions, feelings or hurts, bring them to God. Open up to what he wants to show you and consider the release that fierce love, sacrifice and obedience has to offer. Ask him to show you his mother heart because he offers it to all who will come to him. Let that love heal wounds, make amends and provide peace in your heart and in the relationships that need restoring, the letting go that must happen and the forgiveness that can be offered and given. In finishing, I want to read from 1 Corinthians 13 because I think this passage provides a beautiful picture of the fierce mother heart of God. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking, 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Thank you.